And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. It's a man out! A man out! Welcome to another episode of the Movie Madhouse. I'm Rob. I'm Mike. And we are Jasonless today. There is supposed to be a third person with us. Jason is has succumbed to the almighty dollar. He got extra hours at work and ditched us. Yeah. So he's got to feed the family first. Yes. But luckily, we have a special guest here, yes, Stephanie we- Carpanini. How are you, Stephanie? I'm great. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. A little for- sore. Sore from... What are you sore from? Uh, just training a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, bo- boxing training. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because you're here to talk to us about what you've got going on. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about what it is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, basically, I'm doing a piece for the Fringe Theatre Festival this year, and it's in the site-specific category. Uh, and they select only 15 companies, so I'm one of 15, and it's happening at Sully's Boxing Gym at 1024 DuPont. The show is called Bout, uh, and it essentially is about a failed artist who feels that the only way that she can truly realize herself is through competitive Uh-oh. boxing. There we go. Okay, we had a little lag, but we did get that. <laughs> it's okay, I know. <laughs> so, what got you started in this project? So, ever since I was a kid, I used to take karate. And uh, whenever I'd spar, um, my karate teachers, my senseis would get mad at me because I would always hit too hard because I just didn't really have control. I, I didn't like to, like, tap. I also hated kicking because uh, I wasn't really that great at kicking. I couldn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a flashy kicker. And um, so they'd always be like, you fight like a boxer, you fight like a boxer. And I had done one fight night. They asked me to do it when I was 15, and I was fighting against this, like, 30-year-old woman. I got my first black eye, and I kind of liked it. I don't know. I felt kind of <laughs> badass. And, like, the teacher asked me, oh, my God, Stephanie, are you okay? Because I went to French school. So, and then I went to theater school. And then um, while I was there, I went to Windsor. And this was back from 204 to 208. And I still just had this, like, burning desire to want to <coughs> fight, just to want to train. And uh, so I went to the Windsor Amateur Boxing, which uh, has a really great uh, boxing gym. Mm-hmm. And at the time, this was like 205, 206, I met a woman named Mary Spencer who uh, went to the 2012 Olympics. And um, I started training. And one of the coaches, uh, he wanted to train me to fight. At the time, I was 21. I thought, mm, I'm too old, but also I have no time and I don't want to break my face because I'm an actor. But I just did the training and I loved it. I just felt really empowered and um it was just a really great way to kind of sometimes uh escape from the the theater world because i love it don't get me wrong but sometimes when you're just doing one thing you go kind of crazy so it was a great outlet and uh in 208 i did a final project we had to do a one person show so I asked Mary if I could train with her. So I trained with her. She's called The Greatest. Uh, and it was just a 20-minute one-woman show. And it was inspired by her. It wasn't necessarily her, but it was about her life. Um, and that's kind of, that was a springboard for, for this piece. That was a huge explanation. I'm sorry for no, no. going on for nope. so long. No, uh, actually, um, 
I dabbled in boxing myself a little bit. Like I said, I, I've been taking martial arts since I was 14, 15 years old. So I kind of get where you come from, where you get into the spar and you just start dropping people all over the place. I had kind of ran into the same, same issue myself. Um, I trained with uh, a little bit of time with Floyd Porter here in Chatham. Uh, he runs the Ken Athletic uh, Boxing uh, Group here, and what? That's okay, I I know who he is now. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, so I, I I understand where you come from, where you're talking about coming from martial arts background, going into boxing, and where you can really lay into somebody. And it, it, it I agree with you. It feels great when you get into get into the fight, and you can get in a good a good exchange with somebody. That's the the best part of boxing. See, for sure, for sure. I've only I did two years of Taekwondo. So I unfortunately don't have any boxing background and I have very little Taekwondo background because that was a million years ago. But I know the sparring was the best part for me. Especially when you get that gear on and you can actually yeah. just start just wham, wham, wham. You know, you feel yeah. uh, I want to say fresh. <laughs> That's probably a bad word for that, but it makes it does. It, it makes you invigorated. There we go. That's, That's a better word. word. Yeah. So, so uh, that got you going with this whole. For sure. I mean, also though, like I, I dabbled a little bit. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh sorry, there was a delay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. You can finish. You started to say something. Um, yeah, no, when I when I came to Toronto, um, instead of doing boxing, I started to do a bit of Muay Thai, not necessarily sparring, but the training. And I'd sparred a little, but um, a lot of the girls where I trained, they're like crazy tough, insane. And I would always hold back because I'd be afraid of hitting hard because, in my opinion, once you hit someone hard, it's like you're giving them permission to hit you hard. So I kind of realized, too, that sometimes I tend to be like a talker and not fully a walker. Like it's a little... Because when you get a hard hit and you, I don't know, I think you have to get, receive the first punch to the face. And I haven't fully experienced that. And I'm, it's kind of like ripping the Band-Aid. Um, so, yeah, I'm like afraid of getting a hard hit to the face. I haven't had that yet. But I kind of want it to know what it feels like. I know that sounds crazy. No, head, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Headgear is your friend when it comes to uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you, you, you got into the boxing. Now, you said... This was based loosely on a lady named Mary? Yes, Mary Spencer. She is from Windsor. And she's, I believe, three-time world champ. She went to the London Olympics. Um, and she's just this renowned Canadian boxer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just found her really inspiring. Just for me as an actor, just the sense of discipline and the commitment. Also the isolation that you go through because she would go to bed at like 8 o'clock and wake up at 5 in the morning every day, you know, and like her diet was so strict. For her, I remember her telling me that like winning a boxing match was it, it was just so mathematical. It was like your opponent, like, you know, if you train more hours, if you get more hours of sleep, if you, you know, if you don't eat that, like, Rice crispy Square, like, it, it just came down to that. I mean, sometimes it's a little too obsessive, but I don't know. I just kind of really admired that sense of discipline and work ethic. That is something I've never been able to really harness myself, that level of discipline. I admire world champions just for that fact that they can – Put world, real world stuff aside 
and focus on their goal of getting the gold medal, getting the the championship. It's you you have to be obsessive, I think. So yeah, it's that level of commitment that they put themselves through that makes them that champion. I know I couldn't do it. I I have a hard time. I walk through Max Milk and I see you know the Danishes, <laughs> and it's like uh, no okay. So that that's how I test myself every day. But uh, yeah. sometimes I do it. Sometimes I fail. Yeah. So how did you get into theater acting? Was this something that you always wanted to do, or um, yeah? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh no no yeah. Um, as a kid, uh, it all started in like grade three doing improv. I had a, a crazy teacher, and he was awesome. And uh, he just uh, would make us do just all sorts of improv games, and I loved that. And then uh, in high school, it just kind of continued. And then I was like, oh my god, I want to pursue this because I love it. And um, all of like people that whenever they come see me watch and do a play, they'd be like, oh my god, you're so animated. And at the time, I thought, okay, I'm the best. Like in high school, because I went to a small high school, I was like the only grade twelve in the drama like oh. committee. <laughs> and uh, and then I went to Windsor. You had to audition, and, and I loved it. But when I got to Windsor, it was like, whoa, wait a second. I'm on a different playing field. Like, I, I suck. Like, I'm not that great. Like, it wasn't that I wasn't that great. But, like, when you – because I went to a school with only 200 kids, right? Yep. So, and I – you know, I was training with people that, you know, had been, like, whose parents were, like, at the Shaw Festival and, like, knew all this theater. And I was just, like, tiny French theater girl who never really did Shakespeare. Um so, yeah, that was great, though. It was a good kind of kick in the ass for me. Um, and it was really humbling. So, yeah. Very, very cool. Like, I, that there, there is such a depth to the quality, I guess, would be your, your drama classes. I took drama in high school as well. And I couldn't see myself taking it any farther because I felt I wasn't very good at it. But it was fun to do. And I at least admire anybody that takes it to that next level. Um, what was your experience like in university? Like, was it, was, did you just go in straight as an actress or was it trying to learn everything about the, uh, the theater company itself? Um, so the experience that I went through, I was very much done in like a conservatory style. So they select, uh, at the time, I think they only select 26 people. So you have to audition to get in. And, um, and basically, I mean, there were a few, like you have to take some university electives, but mostly like you have movement classes, like three times a week, voice classes, you have rehearsal, scene study, like it, it was pretty intense. Like, I couldn't have a job because I would be in class, you know, till 5 and then have rehearsal in the evening, working on projects. And then uh, in your third and fourth year, they kind of prep you to get um, – to give you a sense of what it's like to be a part of a professional company. So you do shows on the main stage, and, and it feels pretty – legit and crazy because you have like a crazy dressing room you have a state like it's it's very professional and uh, i loved it and my class was fantastic they were really supportive uh, we ended up graduating with only 17 um which was actually a really great number it was crazy though because often things i've uh, experiences i've heard from a lot of women is like there's so many more women than men 
there was, what, 11 women, six men. And sometimes it's hard when you do plays like Shakespeare because all the juicy parts are all the male parts. And I'm always drawn to the male parts. And so that was a bit of a frustrating experience because I would always get, you know, I'd have to play, like, the maid or something like that. And I'm like, but I want to play this. Like, I want to play this guy, you know, like, like give me, like, Mercutio or Macbeth or something. But tr- they kind of – sometimes there was a little – too much of a focus on tradition, which I found a little frustrating. But then we got to work with outside artists, which were uh, fantastic. And it was a great experience because then we got to do stuff that was more kind of cutting edge and more modern. And and, uh, I felt like I could relate to. Well, you could could have also flipped the script with the the Shakespeare stuff because back when Shakespeare was in England, they had all-male actress. So why couldn't they have a female playing a male role in the modern age that kind of uh like it it, it's an option that should have been exercised oh absolutely i mean that was something that it was it was hard because i think at the time i was sort of young naive and and also like afraid of some of the teachers because some of them it was a bit of a male dominated school like it was run all the all the teachers that had tenure were, were men and don't get me wrong they were wonderful but some of them had very traditional views of how women should be portrayed on stage and so I started to get kind of more rebellious started to have more of like an fu attitude um, because you know my dad is like a punk rocker so I love like <laughs> that punk rock attitude I, I try to embrace it in my work um, like Henry Rollins and whatnot so that for me was a bit frustrating and I, it was hard to kind of, you know, cause it, it, it's such a, it's such a big institution, right? So how do you break through? And I think the only way to break through is, you know, after school, right? I mean, you can do it when you're there, but I didn't kind of get, get that realization until I was almost done. So that's the thing I regret. I wish I was a bit more rebellious, but yeah. Well, like you said, when you get there, you're like the little fish in a big pond now, all of a yeah. sudden. So you don't want to rock the boat too much. And yeah. Until you get your feet, your sea legs, basically. Yeah. It's just like you said, you got them near the end, but, but still, at least you got the experience of doing the live stuff because I've only ever done it once and it terrified me. Well, you and, are, you're really putting yourself out there, especially on a stage play. Exactly. Like I said, it's, it's one, like we're, we're, we're movie guys. We make movies so we can. We can cut take two. <laughs> Redo. You, <laughs> I, I don't think you have that luxury of uh, doing it over again. No, when when they're when you're on stage, it is it's all or nothing. You know, there is no Absolute. cut. Let's reset. Let's uh, change this. Style. No, it's it's done. It's. I know. I it terrified me doing it that one time. That's why I went into film so I could <laughs> take the breaks. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why I love it, though, because there's that sense of danger, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I remember one of the first questions my movement teacher asked us in first year, like, why do you want to do this? And I was like, because I'm scared. And I remember being like, that's weird. Why do I want to do something I'm scared? But it's like a a drug. You get this crate. Like, I'm terrified before I go on stage. And then I do it. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you just feel like you're on ecstasy or something. I can't, like, to share that with an audience is, yeah, it's great. Yep. I said, I keep looking at that poster behind you. You're that yeah. Hagler Duran poster. Is that an original poster? Because this one? Yeah. Yes. I um, <sighs> Sully's is going to throw it out. Tony at Sully's is going to throw it out. I was like, no, let me have it. <laughs> so I just thought I'd put it out for our, for our That's little a interview. That's fantastic poster. That is. Now I got to ask the picture. I see there's a picture hanging there. 
Yeah, there's a few. What are those from? Um, so our poster, actually, you can't really see it, is this one. But it's inspired by this Michael Hausman. I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Um... Yeah, Michael Hausman. Um, so this is the original one. And I don't know, I've always, I love things that are super iconic and I love kind of reimagining them. Um, last year I did a show and we recreated the image of like the Times Square with the sailor and the nurse, like World oh, War II, wow. but we did it in front of Honest Ed's. So I just wanted to kind of, rec I've always like for the last three years, I told myself I'm going to recreate that image. I don't know when. And then I was like, well, this is the perfect opportunity. Why not? So this is a poster for our show. Very cool. That's wicked. I I was looking on uh, your Twitter account and I did see the Honest yeah. Ed photo. That was a really good picture. That yeah. I, I really like that one. Yeah, it's great. Yep. So getting getting the idea to do this this show, how did how did it all come about? About. Yeah. <laughs> um like truthfully it's slightly autobiographical i have it's weird I, I get scared to tell people that sometimes um i was feeling really disheartened with the whole like film scene and uh you know i'd go to like casting workshops and i'd, I'd meet up with like you know film coaches acting coaches and a lot of them would tell me you know what like you need to lose weight. That's the only reason why you're not getting looked at. And I just started to get super frustrated because I felt like I had no control. I had no ownership. <laughs> and um, I, I started to kind of, because for me, like, I find a lot of solace. I find a lot of meditation and being able to, like, you know, practice martial arts and whatnot. Because, yeah, when you're frustrated, you, it, it feels good to hit something, as primal as that may, may seem. And... I started to say, you know what, why not, why not revisit this show? Uh, I was looking at videos. Um, the show is kind of also inspired by, by Sylvester Stallone's uh, attempt, his process of creating Rocky, because okay. I found that really inspiring. Um, he was also a starving artist and had nothing. And, you know, he was living in like an eight by six room room yep. he had to sell his dog and he had talked about this experience of witnessing this amazing match you know triggered him to write uh rocky and people kept offering him lots of money but they didn't want him to play the part because they were like well you're you're a nobody and so i think it was to the point where he had been offered like three hundred thousand, which at the time was a lot and he just i remember him saying in the interview and i was like oh it just kind of broke my heart he's like if this movie hits big time, I'm going to throw myself off a building because that's like, I'm meant to play Rocky. I am Rocky. So he didn't settle. He did not settle, even though he had like no money. He had to sell his dog who eventually ends up being in Rocky. Yep. Um, yep. And so he time. got this t small time, you know, film company for 30,000 to make this film. And there were so many obstacles. It felt, he even said like, it felt impossible. Like he'd be running, he'd have shin splints. Like some of it wasn't even planned. Like that beautiful moment when he's running in that, um, like when people, I, I forget what it, but there's all those markets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And like, some, the guy threw him the apple and throws him the orange or like, the orange. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Apple. Yeah. 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 And so I remember just thinking, man, that's really inspiring. And you don't hear about that kind of story nowadays. So for me, the show, it started more as a concept. I didn't know where I was going to go with it. 
And I thought, okay, but it's going to be about the process of unrealized dreams and what happens to a person when they feel like they don't get that shot in life. Because as a kid, I've, I always romanticized like boxing movies, karate movies. I always felt super, as campy as they are, um, really inspired. And I just wanted to create a show that did that. So I, I had met with a friend of mine who just graduated from uh, Guelph. She studied in the same acting program as me, but she got her master's in creative writing. And she started to kind of work as a dramaturg slash editor. And we would just meet. She'd ask me questions, give me writing exercises. I, I didn't know where I was going to go with it. And I was terrified. I was like, okay. So, yeah, that's kind of what happened. Very cool. That is wicked. It, it, it's, I think, like you said, it's the punk rock do-it-yourself attitude that has got this going yeah now since you've left school is this your first big production um this is the first thing i've i've written since school uh but my first thing that i like co-produced uh with mo last year uh was a show called we're lovers and it was the honest Deads. but i took someone else's writing and i kind of reconfigured it i reconceptualized it and i put it in a cafe environment um and it was about different sets of lovers whereas now it's you know about <coughs> boxing so um but yeah no this is the like this is the first thing i've done where it is me like it's, everything is me so it's my baby yeah Okay. And you said it's part of an event that's going on that only has 15 people or 15 projects, I guess. Yeah. Well, the Fringe has 150 companies, I believe, but it's a lottery. And so, um, and I, I've, I, I've applied a few times, but I've never gotten in. So I thought, you know what? I think I have a chance of getting this, this show to, to happen because with the site specific, it's not a lottery. They, they basically pick it based on the space, also location. And, and I, I was trying to look for a space. It was actually on the outside, outskirts of the um, periphery of, I can't even, what's the word? The limits that they had provided, like, on the site. But I, I pitched them my idea, and I said, this is why I have to do it, and this is why it's going to be great. Because, like, how many times do you hear about a, a theater piece done in a boxing ring? And another thing is um, I've always been curious to explore the idea of, like, real violence on stage. Like, not fully real violence, but I go to so many plays, and I see a lot of stage combat. And I have a lot of friends that are involved in stage combat, and they're amazing. But there's something like, you know it's fake. You know it's fake, right? Unlike a film where you're like, holy God, that's real. Wow. And so I thought, you know, if you train two actors, for instance, for months, right? Like for at least four or five months and they get taught to take a hit, whether it's boxing, Muay Thai, you name it. I think it'd be really great to do that in a show where you have like a boxing match and there's actual real hits. It's not fake. So that's what's happening at the top of my show. Um, and uh, so I'm excited about that because that doesn't happen either. So, yeah. Well, I have to ask then, did you involve anybody in the wrestling world in your choreography? Because oh, Sully's gym, yeah. Wrestling is basically live action fighting. Yeah. You know? um, funny enough, you say wrestling. Um, so originally I, okay, so originally that was, I wanted to have a live fight. And then there was a lot of issues because people were saying, okay, but then you present someone on this, like in, in the ring and then who is this other person and all this stuff. And then, you know, there's an extra body in the space. Why are they there? All these other questions. So then I was like, okay, well, why don't I have like a fantasy fight where I'm fighting against an invisible being? And we had choreographed something. I worked with this great choreographer named Nate Bitten. Uh, and I was training with my stunt girl. She is my training partner, uh, Tracy Messenger. 
And then a month and a half ago, someone posed the question again. They're like, no, 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 you need a real, you need a real person. But I was like, I don't want an actor. Like, I want someone who knows how to fight. But how do you ask a fighter? Like, hey, you want to do this? Like, mm. so thank God um, there's this amazing girl. She is an actor, but she's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter. And she's like won many titles. Uh-oh. And, uh, Uh-oh. and she looks like she can kick my ass, which is what I want, because unfortunately I'm a bit of a, you know, bigger girl and a lot of, you know, women that I'm friends with are that they, they're tinier than me. So I want it to be believable. So, yeah. Oh. No, no, we're still here. So you've got this, this. You're still here. Did you get that? Oh yes, we got it. <laughs> That's what we wanted to find out. You said you had your friend who did this bur- oh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, yeah, with, I can understand your your hesitation because you want to make sure they can act as well. Yeah. And did she was she able to do that? Yeah. Well, she she is an actor, so as well, she went through the same Windsor program as me. Um, so yeah. She is, we are in the midst of, uh, I'm teaching her the choreography because my original person can't, can't do it. So, but she's like, a, like a professional dancer. So she can, she can pick it up. She, yeah. And it's, it's just about a minute and a half of like, um, just straight up Western boxing. So yeah, I think it's going to look pretty awesome. No doubt. Now, when does this all take place? This happens. So we open July 1st. Oh God, it's in less than two weeks. <laughs> uh, I, and it runs to the 12th. Um, during the whole Fringe Festival. The only night we're not doing a show is July 6th on the Monday night, but we have 11 shows, and it's 10 o'clock every night, and the piece is about 45 minutes. Wow. I have to check my schedule because this is really intriguing. I need to get my ass down to Toronto. I'm going to be in the passenger seat. I'm thinking this sounds (laughs) wicked. Yeah. Well, if you guys come, let me know, and I'll make sure to put you on the list and give you guys two comp tickets, okay? Oh. Oh. Done and done. (laughs) It just got a whole lot more... Okay, yeah, absolutely. I, I just have to check my work schedule, and then we're going to Toronto. Awesome. <laughs> I'm excited, because now that you've told me that there's this boxing match at the beginning, and I'm very interested to see how this absolutely. plays out. Okay, now i got to ask, just because this is sports, and you are an actress and all that, you must watch sports movies, other than Rocky. Is there sports movies, movies other than Rocky? What... What would you consider one of the one of your favorite sports movies? Oh man! No, didn't know there'd be a test. I'm like did you? Blanking. Um. So I just watched. I know. I know. No, it depends, right? Like, so I was doing a lot of research. I mean, the fighter is really amazing. Um, with Mark Wahlberg, good. and um, what else is really? Right. I mean, as a kid, to be honest, it's a campy movie. My favorite movie was Sidekicks with, with Chuck Norris and Jonathan oh, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> yeah, because I got picked on as a kid. And I always I, I would seriously romanticize about like that whole like thing. Like he's climbing that gym rope and then Chuck Norris is beside him. Um, what else? Like in terms of sport movies. You know, I did the same thing with a movie called The Bodyguard. Be- because when I was... Oh. Yeah, when I was younger, I, I got picked on a bit. Is that bad? I'm sorry? It's the one with Natalie Portman, right? No, no, no. I'm thinking of someone else. No, you, no, we're talking about Whitney Houston. Yeah, no, no. And actually, I'm talking about one a little bit longer ago than that. I think it had Adam Baldwin in it. 
Okay. When he was very young. Okay. Wow. Yes. I, I, I saw it once with my dad on Saturday afternoon, you know, matinee TV. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I do remember which one you're talking but about. But that was the same kind of thing where you get picked on a little bit, so you picture having this, you know, 25-foot guy walking beside you and taking care of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a movie that I really loved, it's a documentary. It's called Shadow Boxers. And it's all about female boxers. Um, it shows a little bit of them in New York, and it shows, like, the Golden Gloves and stuff. It's in the 90s, so it's got this really cool kind of lo-fi vibe to it, which I love. Uh, a lot of great music. And it's about Lucia Riker, who's this okay. famous... You know, okay, so you know in Million Dollar Baby, that's another great movie. Ooh, that um, was good. When Hilary Swank, like, gets hit by the... I think she's the German boxer. Yep. Okay, so she... That's Lucia Riker. Yes. Okay. Okay. I, rem- I remember who Lucy Riker is. Yeah. 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 And um, Freddie Roach, who's this like amazing coach, he's trained so many people like Oscar De La Hoya, Tyson, Manny Pacquiao. Did you guys watch the fight, by the way? I am an MMA guy. I, I okay. appreciate that that level of skill that they have, but I, I, I knew Mayweather was going to hug it out the entire time. And I, I know, was, no. I wasn't that excited about it just because of that factor of it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I watched it, and it was it was it was hard to watch because I was rooting for for Manny because just his story is so iconic, yeah. right? It's like this hero's journey, right? It's like this nobody who like came from the slums and then worked his way up. And I mean, that's what I love about boxing too is that. It's that kind of sport. It's not like tennis, right, where you need money to do it. It's, you know, you have kids that come from the inner city and and not just the inner city, but, like, that just do that sometimes to stay out of trouble, right? And as long as you have gloves, and if you don't have gloves, like, they have gloves that they'll lend to you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and as long as you're willing to, like, be there and train someone's gonna push you so yeah i think that's why I've, I've always loved the underdog so that's kind of why i love boxing too yeah that it's, it's the boxing it, it's sad to I'm not i'm not i'm trying to say, where ha, where mma has taken over from the boxing it, it just i don't know the the mayweather fight it just kind of took away from it because of yeah. the slowness of that fight. It absolutely. It but Mayweather executed his game plan perfectly. Everybody knew what he was going to do, and there's nothing Manny could do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but that's you can't fault Mayweather for fighting his fight. But now that everybody doesn't have an attention span anymore. I was just going to say, that's what it is. It's almost the instant gratification where in MMA, you're watching a match and at any second, it's over, you know? Yeah. Well, you can have a boxing match that way. Like uh, Klitschko can knock anybody out at any second. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's true. Yeah. But that's one of those things. I know. And see, I've, I've honestly, I watch MMA... Upon occasion, I've watched mm-hmm. boxing, but I've never followed it. And I think mm-hmm. that's what takes away from it for me is I don't know the people, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the big ones that you hear about, like Manny and things like that. But yeah, even when I went to a match here in Chatham for, for Floyd, yeah. 
And I'm watching it, and it's to me, honestly, it was two people beating each other up because I had no idea who they were through all the bouts. Mm. But when you're following it, like you said, when you get into that routine where you're training yourself and you're following these people because this is what you want to do, it it becomes a whole different world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the celebrity boxers have kind of faded away. Um, I don't know how you get that back. Like you needed somebody like when Tyson was in his prime, there were so many people – um, following it because he was such a dynamic fighter. Mm. Do we need more? Like with MMA, you have a lot of dynamic fighters. Boxing, it seems to be you have Mayweather is the big name, and everybody knows how he fights. So it, it kind of takes away from that excitement, I think. Yeah. I mean, one of the boxing coaches, I went to Clancy's the other day, and said something about MMA and how basically it was like the needle in the cough for boxing, you know? Um, because, yeah, I guess it's weird because I really respect the training of MMA. Like, and I, I think that it's super great, but I can't watch it. I find it a little too brutal for me. I mean, yeah, and then I watch boxing, but I don't know. I feel like for me, there's something more iconic about boxing, and I think it's also the grassroots and where it comes from and whatnot, and boxing is, you know, a part of MMA, right? A lot of those guys have to train in Western boxing. Um, And I think the way I I guess I would look, compare the two, it might be a weird comparison, but I think boxing is like for theater what film is for MMA, like, because I feel like sometimes theater is slightly dying out. It isn't, but, you know, especially in Canada when you have festivals like Stratford, which are amazing, but their tickets are, you know, so much money, and When you go there, most of their audience are, like, rich, old, white people. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. Like, if we want this to continue, we need our audiences to be young, vibrant, youthful, um, and to also reflect the culture of Canada, right? And and so that, for me, is a frustrating thing. And that's why I wanted to do this show, because I also want to change... Um, the people who go see theater, right? Like a lot of the people who are going to come see the show train at the boxing gym who wouldn't typically go see a theater piece, right? Like, cause usually people think, oh, it's Shakespeare. It's boring. It's going to put me to sleep, which, you know, Shakespeare doesn't do that, but I mean, bad Shakespeare for sure. <laughs> but yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like when, uh, the, I think the last theater play that I went to see, and this is going to be bad for me, was Phantom of the Opera in Toronto. Yeah. And we know how long that's been gone. Oh yeah. So that's that's bad Wait, on my was, part. That's his face, Paul Stanley. Yeah, that was the last one I saw. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love. Yeah, it's great. But see, those tickets. <laughs> I think they were one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah. For a yeah, seat, I know. And it's like, ouch. But I really love that. I, I saw it three times while it played in Toronto. Wow. The first time that's I actually amazing. saw it with Colm Wilkins in it, and unfortunately, I don't remember who the Phantom was the second time. But then the last one was Paul Stanley. And that was actually really cool. Oh, he did a great job. You could, yeah. he, it had that opera feel, but oh, you could so hear Kiss in that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and the night we were there, um, I think it was about four rows up and about eight rows over, or eight chairs over, was Peter Chris. So it was kind of like a mini Kiss reunion, <laughs> sort of. That's what I'm calling it. There you go. Gene Simmons out front selling memorabilia. Probably, yes. <laughs> 
So after Fringe, no, that yeah, oh yeah, Gene's Gene. Doesn't oh he yeah, have he he will take any opportunity to sell memorabilia. Oh. Man, that's <laughs> now after Fringe. What have you got on the go? Have you got plans started already? Or are you just focusing right now on Bout? Let's see if she heard oh. all that. Oh, oh no! I see her moving. So yeah. I hear, oh, can you hear me? Yep, we can. Yeah, uh, we're, okay, we're kind of cool. lagging like crazy on this <laughs> end, so. <laughs> um, after, yeah, so right now, I'm so focused on this show, but there's a part of me that's like, what am I going to do after with my life? Because I've been working on this nonstop for the past, like, eight, nine months. Um, so there's a few things. One of them, um, Clancy's Boxing Gym, way on North York, has a beautiful space super theatrical and they're interested in perhaps doing the show there uh, i've also spoken to uh christina ahem who is like one of the, the she's like the running manager and um she is lovely uh about wanting to do an amateur fight because ideally that's what i wanted to do i wanted to fight before i did the show but i've been so busy um writing training like rehearsing promoting producing also working my other job um that i'm i just haven't had the time so I think with this, because I have a lot of momentum, I'm hoping to train and do an amateur fight. Because in the fall, I'm going to train with this um, famous uh, clown master named Philippe Gaulier. And I'm going to do about a two-month intensive with him. He actually trained Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, Borat was discovered uh, through uh, his training with this uh, clown master. So I'm going to be nice. headed to France wow. to do that. That sounds wicked. Wow. That's very cool. Now, is that planned for this year or is that... On the horizon. That's planned for this year. That's planned for this year. Uh, I was supposed to go last year, and then it just plans fell through. I've been wanting to train with this guy for the last almost ten years. One of my uh, most favorite acting professors. Uh, her name's Sonia Norris. She kicked my ass in university in the best way possible, and uh, she trained with him for for two years. And uh, would just a lot of her style of teaching were, was inspired by him because he's pretty harsh, but in the best way. He's just this like what you would imagine a French. Like Paris, like he's not. I don't know if he's Parisian, but what a French, you know, theater master would be like. The beret. He has his little red like glasses and like a white beard and just you know talks. Uh, you have to uh, like this and uh, you know get off the stage and that kind of thing. Oh, so yeah, that would be excellent. <laughs> nice. I don't know if I could take him serious when he's trying to coach me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would be laughing too much. That, but that would be awesome. That would Absolutely. be. Absolutely. He sounds amazing. Now, you said clown master. What What does that refer to? Um, it's more of a European. I, I call him a clown master. He's more of like a theater master. He teaches a clown, le jeu, a neutral mask, which are all things that come from, uh, I guess you could say, European, like a European <laughs> style of theater. Um, Jacques Lecoq, he, he first taught there. They had a partnership. But because he has more of a... a a sense of anarchy in his teaching. Uh, he left the school. And so, you know, how all great masters sometimes they'll butt heads, right? And that's mm -hmm. happened a lot in many uh, schools of teaching, many methods of theater. Um, so, yeah, I guess you could say, like, if you look at someone like Roberto Benini, who's also trained with Goliath, like, you, you say clown, and, like, North Americans are like, oh, my God, I'm terrified of clowns, because they think birthday clown with the, the crazy white 
makeup or it. Uh, it's not at all that. It's more about um, the clown's biggest desire is to be loved on stage. And it's that idea that, that there is this like naivete and this complicité that you're always in the moment and you're always has to be genuine it can't be fake sometimes you see a performer and it's there's really awkward and truthful and so he'll like constantly call you on your bullshit am i allowed to swear i just swear. oh yes yeah. <laughs> we've done it once or okay. twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it was episode two we had to throw up the explicit tag right from that moment on mike just i'm sorry yeah <laughs> it's okay but no that's that's one part of the show that we like is that everybody's free to be themselves so, yes, do not worry. Do not worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now I know what Clown Master means. That does make sense because it's not, like you said, not the makeup. It's what's behind it. Yes. Okay. Well, you said that also the thing with theater, you have to act to the guy in the back row. And if you act small, your body language is small, the guy in the cheap seat's not getting the full effect of your acting. Whereas if you can be big and expressive. Mm-hmm. That is true. I, I, I guess you were the person to ask. You are acting to the back row, correct? you you're, you got to exaggerate the movements. and. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say, like, exaggerate. I think you, at the end of the day, it's not just about being big. Because the thing that I feel like there's a misconception with theater is like, okay, you just got to be big and expressive. But, like, if there's no truth, right, if it's not coming from a place of truth, um and being genuine, then it's, people are going to be like, okay, they're going to be bored after, like, five minutes because it's just going to be, like, a lot of, like, fakery on stage, right? Because people say, oh, you know, like, my mom is, I love her to death, and she's like, well, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if I know about this, can I say this? But I always like to ask people that aren't in theater, what did you honestly think? Like, what did you honestly think of this person's performance? And usually they think the same thing that I'm thinking, if, you know, I bought it or I didn't buy it. And so I think for me, the thing about theater is, like, finding your inner pleasure and and sharing that with people and, and whether it's, you know, you're, you're playing Hamlet and you're dying on stage and, but you're finding a joy in that. Like, I know it sounds bizarre. I'm trying to like explain it, but yeah, it's, it's, but find the truth in that because that's kind of why we do it. It's exciting. Right. And, and to share that energy with the audience. So, yeah. And like you said, if it's true inside you, they're going to see that. And that's true. Otherwise it turns into William Shatner and Star Trek and, (laughs) It's just, yeah. Okay, I get what you're saying now. <laughs> Chewing up scenery. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. So now you went to school in Windsor, correct? Yes. Now you took the theater program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked a, talked a little bit about that. What was yeah. your What was your favorite part in that particular area? Yes, I did the, the Bachelor of Fine Arts, the acting program. I really loved, for me, my experience was the... Just the the sense that, like, you could kind of... And I, that's the one thing I sort of regret a bit more because I'm realizing it more now, but you could fail a lot. Like, they wanted you to take that risk. Okay. And, and the idea of, like, it's okay to suck. It's okay to be bad. And still nothing. Get trial and error, right? Because sometimes, you know, you go in front of people and you want to be... You, you want to get it right right away, but that's not how to do it. And I kind of found my own process of... I always call it, like, the process of elimination of trying what doesn't work and being like, okay, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, but doing it to the nth degree. And then finally under having like um, a physical kinesthetic understanding of like, wait a second, this 
gifts and learning how to listen to my intuition and my impulses rather than try to be in my head about things. But those are those are things that I'm, I still work on as an artist and I'm never going to perfect because once you perfect it, then what's the point, right? You might as well like be done. Um, but I also loved, uh, Windsor was great at the time because we had a lot of international artists. We had a company come from New York and they, uh, have a company, um, like it's a dual company, uh, in Japan. So they're called the city company, but they also work with a company named, um, the, um, at like in Toga, they're called the S S C O T company, the Scott company. And they do a form of theater called Suzuki, which is very, I guess you could say it's, not martial arts based, but for me, it felt very similar because it's all about the lower body and isolation. And, and there's a bit of uh, like Kabuki, uh, Buto, um, ballet. So it's all about being able to possess control over your body and putting yourself in these positions that demand um, like great, uh, great composure and great control, but also to kind of hide that. There's a saying where it's like when you feel 10, you know, let's say you you run for like 20 minutes and you're exhausted, only show seven, right? Don't show everything because then you're holding something back. So for me, it like was a really great, um, the light kind of went off training with them. Uh, and I got to train with them for a month in New York in 2011. And I loved it. It like blew my mind because I got to work with global artists from everywhere. And it was just like, sometimes we couldn't understand each other, but we had this common language, uh, that we could work with. So yeah, that was really wonderful. That would be awesome. That's very cool. No doubt. Yeah. Like you said, something like that will not come along, you know, every day. Yeah. <laughs> That's unreal. It, it, but the, the language barrier, you, you were able to, to overcome that. Like you said, just. Oh, yeah, it's well, that's the thing about like nowadays you think, OK, you know, we don't speak the same language in terms of like words. So we're not going to understand each other. But with theater, it's like you really have to learn how to listen without words. Right. Like listen to what someone is telling you. And and it's just interesting culturally um, to to find little nuances. Right. I'd always make fun of like the Americans because we do this exercise called, exercise called viewpoints, which is comes from the modern dance world. And I could always tell whenever the Americans would go up because they would go, they'd be like demanding the stage and like constantly like, and, and, and like, I loved working with a lot of Americans because they're super like gutsy and ballsy and they're not polite, which I find sometimes Canadians are like too polite. Right. So that's kind of what I would appreciate. But then you'd look at someone from like, you know, from France and I'm completely stereotyping, but like based on the overall experience, but they would be kind of like more like secretive but like it's almost like they'd be hiding something so they wouldn't show you everything so yeah it was it was it was really cool to like have people and there were people from turkey australia like um japan like it was it was wonderful that is cool i think i want to go do this (laughs) (laughs) just go down the road take the uh theater course but here at St. Clair? No, 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 no. Down the road to Windsor. Oh, okay. I was yeah. going to say, no, St. Clair is going to have nothing compared to Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> we got two guys in a camera. That's that's our whole program here in Chatham. That's <laughs> No, this is so excellent. Now, you said this starts up July 1st and yep. runs to July 12th. Yes. If people want to get tickets, how do they do that? So they can uh, contact, go on the Fringe website, and if they um, look up Bout, um, as well as there is a Facebook 
group. They can also um, come right to the location because there are tickets that you can purchase right on the spot. Um, they're $10 in person. If you purchase them online, they're $12. Um, and I believe that the tickets don't always sell fully online. I think they always hold a little batch for people that just want to show up to the space. Uh, and the thing, the games are happening so make sure that if you do come and check it out to uh plan ahead uh because i know that there's going to be a lot of crazy traffic thank god my show is later so it probably won't be that bad but that's one thing that they've told us at the fringe is to warn your audiences to uh plan their their route before coming okay now i just pulled up the fringe website and hit buy, yep. buy tickets now how would i find bout uh if you type in bout oh now i should have looked at this in the search engine <laughs> In the search engine, sorry. I <laughs> let me. See. Oh, there it, it is. You. It's all him. It's all me. There <laughs> it is. Okay. Let me see. <laughs> there it is. Okay, I do see it here. Because um, once we're done here, I'm going to put this up on our website, and I want to make sure I have the right link huh? so they can go right to Amazing. your tickets. There we go. And there's the poster. Everybody's going to get to see the poster. Yes, that's a very iconic-looking yes. poster. Excellent. Okay, so they can buy tickets there. And uh, yeah, no, with the Fringe Festival, is there a goal to like? Is there is it a competition or is it is it just a chance to showcase all of this talent? That's the really beautiful thing I love about the Fringe Festival. I mean, you don't feel like so. There's an amazing. There's a huge Fringe tent at. You know, Honest Ed's? Yep, yep, yep. In the parking lot. And every time I go, there's just this beautiful energy where people are so supportive of one another's work. I think the fringe for me, as an artist, it means uh, um, the opportunity to showcase your work. And that's not competitive, right? Of course, you know, there is best of fringe and whatnot. But everyone is busting their 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 off and and putting their you know blood sweat and tears in, into their own theater piece and um and so it's all about recognizing that whether the show is good or bad it's it's um we're just there to support each other and uh to kind of also get feedback right and so for me this is kind of like the first test like okay let's see where this sits let's see what what people think of the show and then to reevaluate like okay so if i were to do this again how am i going to do it again because i think it's a piece that i'm going to constantly re revisit and rebuild excellent i am super pumped to see this yes i really am i i, awesome. I said I'll, I'll check my work schedule and then we can coordinate on when we can get to go see about excellent and then i will definitely Amazing. get a hold of you and we'll see you there Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, no, thank you for being on. Yes, this has been you. amazing because, like I said, normally we focus on the movie aspect, so theater is still yeah. a little alien to us. Like, the deep end of the acting pool. Exactly. The real actors yeah. there. That's... <laughs> so, we yeah. do a reference that I think you'll appreciate in the show. I'm so sorry. You do what? Oh, there are a few movie references that I think you'll appreciate in the show. Yes. We just justified our existence. Exactly. <laughs> now we have to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on. Anytime you have something coming up, get a hold of us and we'll uh, have Absolutely. you back on. Thank you so much. Have a great day and a great weekend. You yes, too. Thank Thanks. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Wow. That was cool. That was very cool. Yes. Our first theater. I know. Person, and actor, it was so actress. cool 
because it's all about boxing. Yes. Which, and I know she was talking about the Stallone interviews, and yeah. I know parts of those interviews where he's talking about filming the boxing, and he said it was hell. Oh, I could imagine, <coughs> I couldn't imagine filling up an arena in Philadelphia and trying to film boxing, then having to cut and keep this arena full of people engaged yeah and not wanting to murder every single person on that production crew especially because they're supposed to be so keyed up and fired up absolutely well like i said i'm fairly certain um carl weathers and stone just whacked the shit out of each (laughs) other on a couple of a couple of those takes and i don't doubt that at all (laughs) oh man so i'm i am kind of pumped i want to see what we can do to see this because yeah that'll be wicked absolutely it is every day except for... Oh, wrong mouse. What'd you do? It is every day except for July 6th. Yeah. And that, July, you know what July 7th is? Uh, the day after July 6th? Mm, the, the best day of July ever. Really? Yeah. Why do I feel like there's a birthday involved? Oh, really? Jeez, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> that would be the perfect birthday present. Three, four. I'll buy you your ticket. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I was aiming for dinner and uh, <laughs> gas money. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, yeah, that goes right up until almost two whole weeks. Yeah? Yeah, so there's two weekends in there. Oh, we can figure that out. Absolutely. Awesome. Wow. <sighs> so... Did you see anything? I actually did. Holy shit. I know. <laughs> Just today, I, well, I sort of watched. Uh, I, I had a couple long blinks because I worked late and <laughs> tried to stay awake. Yeah. I watched It Follows. Oh, you did? The one from Gavin, you know, the STD yep, that yep. kills. That's actually kind of cool. Okay. Because the premise is that once you sleep with this person, it passes it on. So they still have it. No. Oh, they, they they lose it once they give it to you. Exactly. Oh, that's the worst case of herpes. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but it's it takes the form of a person or someone in your life. Like it changes the appearance. But you can only see it if you have it. Oh, oh. Okay. It's really cool. Just the beginning, because she's out with this guy that's going to eventually give it to her. They're playing this game called trade or trading or something like that. Okay. And basically, when you're standing in line or when you're in the theater, you look around and you pick somebody that you'd want to trade lives with, right? Yeah. You tell your person that you're with, okay, I pick someone. They have two guesses. They have to guess who it is and why. Right, so the the guy does it, and the girl doesn't get it right. But she goes, "Okay, I pick mine." He turns around, he's going, "How about that girl in the yellow dress?" She's like, "What girl?" He goes, "The one right there." Right? There's nobody there Uh that that she can see, and that's when he gets freaked out and says, "Let's get out of here." All right. Then the movie takes on from there. Gotcha. But but it's actually pretty cool. I don't know if I agree with the end 100, percent but it's worth a watch. It is. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, did you see anything else? I watched Nightcrawler. Oh, did Dick you buy Gyllenhaal. a ticket? What's that? Did you buy your ticket? <laughs> oh, yeah, those trailers. Oh, my God. 
<clears throat> and the funny thing is, I don't remember seeing that scene in there anywhere. It probably never was in the scene. No. Nope. It was probably ended up on the cutting room floor. And But he did a good job in that role. Yeah. Like, totally cold and bizarre. Is he, he's a news reporter? Well, he starts out, he's nothing. You know, oh. he's, he's looking for a job. He's actually stealing metal and selling it at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> okay. And then he comes across this one guy, he's at an accident, and it's Bill Paxton. Okay. And the guy rushes by him, and he's filming, and he goes, oh, I got to get this out right away. And he goes, oh, you can make money that way? And he goes, oh, yeah. So he ends up stealing a bike, taking it to a pawn shop, and trading it for a little camcorder. Okay. And then he starts jumping in. Ah. But he becomes super cutthroat. Like, he is very cold in this movie. Okay. It's pretty darn good. I been hesitant to take a look at it just because of the craziness of the trailers that we watched and I'm just maybe it's time to bust out the old give it a good honest watch. Honestly it's because I was a captive audience. Oh yeah. Yes. I watched two movies that night. I watched Red Dawn with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Oh the remake. Yeah. That was it as spectacular as uh See I love the original. The original I I love the original as well. Yeah, and I have I I had a hard time buying the remake. I still haven't seen a second of the remake, but I just went, oh, why are you screwing with it? I was the same way, you know. But it was that whole I'm sitting there because Christina was doing makeup effects on the back of my head. I I saw those pictures. Yes, I was stuck there, so I was working on my script and watching Netflix, <laughs> and it's like Red Dawn. Oh, I've been meaning to watch it. Start, you know. And they did a pretty good job. They they modernized it. They like it's a different bad guy. But North Korea, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. One of the they Koreas. weren't Cubans or Russians. Well, that's just it. They had a touch of Russians in it. Oh, yes. Well, you got to okay. But as it was, it started, and it had the football game, and everything's going on. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. The part that was the best of the original Red Dawn is everybody in school. And the parachuters just coming in. Hey, what's going on out there? You have there? no idea what's going on, right? Yep. What the hell? Where is it? So it shows them go to bed, and all of a sudden they're getting up, and there's planes flying through, and they get outside, and that's when you see all the parachutes coming down. So they're not in school when it happens, but it's like a morning assault. Uh, so it still kind of has that feel. Yeah, I, I preferred the... Okay. No, I thought Dave was... Ta- What's that? I thought Dave was Skyping us, but that's from a few days ago. Oh. <laughs> see if Gavin's on. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> oh, it says away. <laughs> but it, it did have that feel, and it did carry on some of this, the main aspects of it. You know, like yeah. the two brothers, their dad gets killed, you know, right in front of them. Avenge me! Did not, they do that? Not quite the same vigor as Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, the seat. Then that's a terrible remake. But it was still powerful because the one guy, uh, basically they get up to a cabin and they're trying to hold their own. Yeah. And uh, one guy starts shooting at him. He go, Chris Hemsworth, as he's walking up the, the aisle or the, the driveway. Yep. So he goes, give me the gun. He goes, I'm not giving you the gun. So Chris Hemsworth walks up, grabs the gun, pushes him down, right? Says, give me the gun. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to get up. He goes, do you want to keep doing this? And the guy turns around and runs, right? Yep. He ends up selling him out, bringing the Koreans up to the cabin. Bastard. But they're 
they're not there. They're just coming back. Ah. But they have the two dads. They have the mayor, who's the dad of the one kid. Yeah. And the sheriff, who's the dad of the other two. Ah, okay. And so the, the mayor's there. Come on in, son. He's got the megaphone, you know. Nothing happens. So they get the sheriff, and he goes, yep. Boys, what I want you to do is what I always taught you, and... Make life a living hell for these scumbags, you know? And oh, and then he gets machine gunned? Yeah, well, no, just one quick shot to the head. Ah, wow. you know? it's more dramatic if you got Ramboed or something. Yes. But, again, it, it did have that feel. Again, nothing's going to take away the, the first one. Like, it's it's Red Dawn, you yeah, know? Absolutely. But absolutely. It's, it's well worth watching once. Okay. What is up with you? I went through... Um, a bunch of the, almost the rest of the Black Fawn distribution. Did you? Yes. Horsehead. I think a texted you. It says it on the box. It is an absolutely gorgeous looking movie. Yeah. It is not at all anything what you think it is, what it might be from the box cover. See, the box cover tells me nothing. And, like, you can look at it and you go, hmm, what's going to go on here? And you can kind of start filling in your own story. Wrong. Really? Absolutely. Whatever you think that is, you're 100% wrong. Story of my life. <laughs> but it's it's a, a shot in Europe. And it's about lucid dreaming. Oh, Really? Really. Okay. I, I don't want to give too much away, but it's this the, the the main character. She has to go to her grandmother's estate because her grandmother died, and all of the family's getting together for the funeral and the wake and all this other stuff. Okay, she has a dream, and in the dream, her dead grandmother puts her on a quest of some kind. Oh, those grandmother dream quests! Yes, it is. And uh, it's really well done. It is really well done. I liked it. I said I, I was. I watched the whole thing. I is engaged. I went. This is kind of cool. <coughs> I've been anxious to see it. I haven't had a chance, but I've been anxious to see it ever since I found out it was coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah. To me, I love Blu-ray. It always seems to make it. Well, it's high high definition. So, yeah, I gotta watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, give it a, give it a watch. It's it is so well shot. Um, the Blu-ray the, the Blu-ray conversion uh, makes it look even better. Really? Yeah, it, it, it's just so it's it's eye candy, but it's not just eye candy. There's a really good story behind it, and we said. The way it looks and the way everybody acts and the story all works really well together. See, and that's just it. I don't like scenery for scenery's sake. Sometimes that's good. Only like if the movie really sucks. Well, <laughs> you said you got to get grab grab a hold of something somewhere along the line. But this this one has uh, story, scene, acting. It's some really cool special effects. Okay, and. Said there's a couple good, good little uh, scare like jump scares in it, and but it's not not overly gory, and it's not it's not a, a horror per se, more like a, a psychological thriller. Oh, cool! So 
it's it's got that going for it, and I really it was it's a good story. Okay. And then I watched If a Tree Falls. Oh, okay. Oh, uh oh. This is the other end of the scale. <laughs> <laughs> you have the good ones and the not so good ones. <laughs> oh no. It it was a fun camping movie. Yes. Um I I I finally figured out why the everybody is romanticizing the 80s slasher movies. Yeah. Lack of technology. Yeah, you didn't need anything. No, there is nothing to save your ass. No GPS, no cell phones. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Because everybody's everybody in these new these movies are looking 